The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and we're talking today about friendship challenges. My guest is best-selling author, coach, and parent educator, Rachel Simmons, who has been on the podcast a couple times, actually. And we are also going to do some Instagram lives so that you can ask more questions. I took all the questions from today off of my direct messages on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. If you have more questions, just send them in. And of course, if you enjoy this episode, please, if you have not already, subscribe, rate, and write a review. And this is always a joy for me because Rachel is a childhood friend. We have known each other since we were five years old in kindergarten and I love her so much. And it's just such a blast to work with her as well. You guys sent in questions. There were so many that were related to difficult friendship issues. I decided it's time to have Rachel Simmons back because who better to answer them? So here's the first one. How do you handle the constant? You know what? I could have said, Thank you for coming and welcome. Yeah. Here's my intro. <laughs> but I just to get an intro on this podcast. You have to have not known me since we were in kindergarten. <laughs> okay, that's fair. We're we're Mishpacha, which our people define as family. <laughs> um, okay, so ready. What's the advice directly to a child that is so desperate to make friends that they come on so strong, like a five, like a level five clinger? How do you tell them constructively to back the hell off? I'm watching my child so desperate to make friends, but coming on so strong that people push her away. Okay. You know what I would really do? This is yeah. what came to I mean, no, I don't, but I'm excited to hear. <laughs> I used to do this exercise with kids on boundary setting. And I've also done it with college students. And here's what I would actually do with your child. I would stand, go in the kitchen and stand face to face about 10 feet apart and then ask your child to walk towards you. And when you feel that they have come close enough, you say, stop, and then go back to your spots. And then you walk to your kid and you have them, when you get too close for them, say, stop. So you talk about how did you know, like when you wanted me to stop, you know, when, how did, and usually they'll say, well, I didn't want you to be too close to me. And then I would say, you know, what can sometimes, what it can feel like when you're really trying to get somebody's attention to have them be your friend. I would then walk over to my child and basically get right up in their face. Like, as if they said stop and I didn't stop. And I would show them through a physical example what it feels like to feel, frankly, kind of suffocated and invaded by someone who isn't respecting your space. And I would make that exercise kind of a jumping off point for saying people need space. And the second thing I would do is I would try to get my child to role play a little bit and practice. Mm-hmm. When is, when is it enough? How do you know when it's enough? And how do you know when more is called for? But some kids just don't get it, right? Like I think some kids just don't understand and you really have to be that concrete with them. That's great. And role-playing, constantly helping perspective-taking, 
that's just always going to be useful. Yeah. Like let's role play right now. I'm the clinger and you're the clinger. Ah. <laughs> so um, you're going to give me the message that like, you're not interested. So I'd be like, Hi, am I a nine-year-old or am I a middle-aged nine that we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So that's fine. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Rachel. Did you watch Julie and the Phantoms, the season finale? It was so good. I loved it. Did you? I don't watch that. Oh, it's really, really good. Do you want to come over sometime and watch it? I don't watch that. So it's just so good. Do you like Ariana Grande? We love Ariana Grande at our house. We do a lot of like, we just like make up dances to her songs and stuff. Isn't she fun? I'm more, I'm more of a uh, Taylor Swift kind of fan. Do you want to sit together at lunch today? I have plans to sit with someone else. Yeah. So, okay. Cut. Aliza, you look like you're in pain right now doing this with me. I I can't, I'm an advocate of role play, but when it's, but when I have to do it, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you're like, exactly. You're like, everyone role play with your kids. And then you're like, I don't want to role play with you. <laughs> um, so I feel like sometimes kids need to hear that. They need to actually then stop and say, what were the signs that I gave you that I wasn't really that interested? And then I might even <laughs> like do another role my play. My dead face. Here, your dead eyes. <laughs> that you gave me. But listeners. So that's a great question. Right now. Right. What are the signs that, that I gave you or that you gave me or whatever, or to whoever did the role play that I wasn't that interested in continuing to go deeper or continuing to hang out? And then like, how do you know when somebody is interested? Some kids don't have those social pragmatics, right? right. Yeah. And so role play is a great way to help them get there and physically feeling the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think we're ready for the next one. I think that was great. Gold star. Gold star. Living up to your reputation. I love a gold star. When's that going to stop being a thing? Never. How sad. Let's get rid of gold stars so that we don't have to subject the next generation to the need for it. Here, here. Maybe. (laughs) Do you have to worry about mild friendship drama? Or can you be passive listen to your child and let it shake out. What is the balance? Where is the line for worrying? So let's, I guess, let's imagine that there's a child who comes home with a friendship drama every day, but it doesn't seem like, where's the line between tolerable and toxic? Well, I think, I I think everything in moderation. So anything that's happening every day, other than like breathing and eating lots of vegetables could potentially cause for concern, right? Like, I would say a friendship drama every day is probably not the kind of relationship I'm hoping for my own kid to have, but, or, and I would say friendship drama is as long as it's not major, it is a training ground for your child. It's like, you don't want a life in which your kid is always comfortable in their friendships because it means they're not learning. It means that they aren't being challenged. And the earlier your kids develop their perception or their belief about what a good friend is, the sooner they will be able to make smart choices and kind of, you know, navigate the challenges that inevitably will come their way socially. I loved that. And I want you to expand on how we can 
slowly sprinkle in how to recognize healthy friendships. Sure. And deep friendships and meaningful friendships versus slowly pointing out less healthy friendships. Like where is this a red flag friend, but like without imposing something on your child, that's actually going to drive them away from listening to anything you have to say. Yeah. Here's the key. I'm going to give listeners my, my secret sauce on this. Even when your kid has a friendship that isn't working so well for them, make an extra effort to find out all the good things about that friend. Why? Because it's going to buy some credibility with your kid. If you come down like a ton of bricks being like, this friend is horrible. We're disowning them. We can never go with them anywhere ever again. Your, your kid's going to be like, thanks so much. I'm never speaking to you again about it because it's more complex for your child. So take the time to be like, oh God, it sounds like you had a really hard day with this person. There's so many things that you seem to really like about them. Like, tell me what's been good about the friendship. And, you know, I think keeping that complexity is at least one thing you can do to make sure that they stay connected with you. It's wonderful. I want to continue my answer from before because your question was like, how do you help your kids recognize, you know, what's healthy and what's not healthy? The other thing that I think is really important for kids is to talk about your own friendships and to just share, not, not in a way that compromises your boundaries with your kids or in a way that makes them uncomfortable or that shows that you're struggling and need their help. But right. we're just like, like my daughter, for example, watched me go through essentially what became a friend divorce with a woman that I was so close to that she was uh, my emergency contact for a few summer camps because I'm a single mom and our kids were really close and I was able to talk with my daughter who is now nine. And this was already a couple of years ago now about in, in terms she could understand about how this person didn't make me feel good and didn't make, I didn't feel that I could trust this person and I didn't feel comfortable sharing things with her. And I didn't feel like she, you know, was there for me in the ways that I needed her to be when I was in having trouble. And so those were the kinds of ways that my daughter could learn about friendship without us having to talk about her friendships. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. Next question. No, I think it's really important also that you point out they don't need to take care of you. Like you know how to take care of yourself in that situation, but it's a, an opportunity to share that you made the choice to take care of yourself in that situation. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, and, you can't tell it. Your kid's never going to learn from a story that you're telling them if you need them to take care of you. Like then, then their energy is going to be diverted to worrying about you. So anything you share with them has to be something enough in the past that they can focus on the story and not you. Please, yes, emphasize that because yeah, come to terms with how you feel about something before you talk about it with your kids. And now I want to take a break so that I can tell you about my sponsors. My favorite hair care sponsor is back. And now there's even more to love. In case you don't remember, Gemist is science-backed hair care that uses your hair data to match you with products. After taking a two-minute quiz, I matched with Shampoo 5 and Conditioner 12 and their brand new cream styler. Now I have been hooked on the shampoo and conditioner for months, so have my kids, but the cream styler was new to me. The cream styler includes a patented UV protection blend while hydrating to increase softness and help control my hair. It's summertime. You may not think about 
UV protection on your hair, but you will thank me for reminding you. And bonus, you can also save money by subscribing and never be left in the shower with empty bottles again. And did I mention Gemist is also women-owned? It's a subscription service and you can save 20% on every order with Smart Subscribe and get free shipping. And they think about the length of your hair, the washing frequency, so that they can personalize your subscription frequency by weeks. And it's flexible, easy to skip shipments, the whole thing, plus free returns. The ingredients, of course, are quality and free of sulfates. They're paraben-free, dye-free, never tested on animals, manufactured in the U.S., caring about the world. And it smells really good, like mixed berries and lily of the valley, rose and amber, really delicious. So if you're ready to have amazing hair, try Gemist. Right now, my listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner and Styler Smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% off each order. So this is an amazing deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it next week. Just visit Gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Raising Good Humans at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That is gemist.com, G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com and enter code RaisingGoodHumans at checkout to get the best hair ever. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, public goods members can buy all their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Public goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly and innovative products. There are so many good products. My favorite is they have these incredible chocolate covered almonds. They're like heavenly made beautifully healthy and just such a treat, but the products are incredible. I also had a beautiful candle. Like I cannot express enough what a pleasure it is to shop on public goods. It's also just so nice that they're ethically sourced and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives, still common on drug and grocery store shelves every day. This company is committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment, and also truly beautiful packaging. And knowing what's in your products and where they come from is so important. Small changes in the way we shop can make a big impact on our personal health and the world at large. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. And best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation or membership. And this is incredible. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. It is, I really just, you have to go look this company up. It is awesome. My first experience with them was this incredible package of so many different items that I just fell in love with. And I'm sure you will too. 
I worked out a fantastic deal for my listeners so you can receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again, that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase with no minimum. So you have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash humans or use the code humans at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash humans to receive $15 off your first order. Ancient Nutrition has one goal, to transform the health of every individual on the planet. That drives them to create whole food natural products made with real ingredients. Every product is rooted in tradition and supported by science. Ancient nutrition is based on traditional Chinese herbalism and Ayurveda, which are ways of eating and thinking that have survived generations. And it's combined with today's modern research. Ancient nutrition believes that proper nutrition isn't just about eating the right foods. It's also about ingredients that your body can truly use. So they source the world's highest quality ingredients and rigorously test them for pesticides, herbicides, and heavy metals why they do everything they can to create products that your body can easily digest and absorb. Every one of the products has a purpose. My favorite and the fan favorite, and probably some of you have heard me mention this before, is the multi-collagen protein. So if you are looking for a great place to start, this is it. Multi-collagen protein can help revitalize your joints, skin, and hair. It can reduce joint discomfort as early as one day. It can help smooth your skin after four weeks of use, and it improves your skin tone after two months. It's made with clinically studied ingredients, and you can easily stir a scoop into your morning coffee. It's unflavored. It dissolves right away. So many other products like this get all gunky, and this one just dissolves right away. And you started your day with a boost of health. So go to ancientnutrition.com and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first Ancient Nutrition purchase. If you're looking to revitalize your joint, skin, and hair, use the code HUMANS for 20% off at store.draxe.com. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, the Heal Podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HealDocumentary and at Kelly Gores, and catch episode clips on Heal Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. How much to intervene on group chats, like as a parent, if you're privy to, you're looking at your kids' DMs or your video games that have chats or text chats, at what point are there moments where you say, hey, you got to step away from this? Or... At what moment do you need to say nothing and just bite your tongue and let them sort of work that out? Like, where's the line? That's a really good question. I think, are we talking about group chats in which people are being unkind to each other or in which- That's that's all I got on the question. So I would say, let's think about people being unkind and then 
people talking about people who aren't there and possibly going to the point of saying something that could be incriminating. I don't know how old the kid is either. Well, my guess is like, if we're talking about text exchanges and video games and DMs that it, I mean, I'd love to say it's 13, but my guess is it's fifth, sixth, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. Well, here's where I come down on this. I think what your kids are doing online is not terribly different from what they're doing in person in the sense that if you were to be driving a car and you hear your child in the back seat speaking about somebody who wasn't there in a really degrading way, I would expect that maybe not in that particular moment, though you certainly could, that you would stop your child and, you know, intervene in some way, shape or form, because that is not a behavior you expect them to be showing out in the world. And so if you would do that driving a car, you should do it, you know, hearing it in the backseat, you should do it if you have access to something that you've read, because we really want our kids to understand that we, we expect them to behave online the way that they do in person, that we have values that we need to live into in our online behavior. And that depending on their age, their access to social media should be contingent on them, you know, demonstrating those behaviors. And look, that's really hard to do as a parent because there's a lot of like fighting that goes on with it. That's why it's, it's very important to kind of in a recurring way be communicating your expectations to your kids, partly because they forget everything anyway, um, but partly because they're constantly being exposed to new opportunities to test the values that you're raising them with. So you want to make sure one time is not enough. You know, hey, just a reminder, it's really important to me and, you know, it's really important to our family that you are a kind human being online. Sorry about the dog. My child comes home and talks about constant hurt feelings. What is the balance between showing my child empathy, but not so much that I don't teach them to toughen up and shake it off? Yeah, great question. So first thing is, you know, empathy can be brief. I think there's nothing lost by saying, you know, I'm really sorry that that happened. And if I were you, I might also feel these things. Um, So kind of a mix of of compassion and, and empathy. And we need to remember that what we give attention to continues. The more kind of sunlight you shine on whatever, you know, injury or pain your child is wanting to talk about, the more they will perceive that that is what gives connection with you. So for me to kind of have a problem is when my mom or dad or caregiver pays attention to me. So I think you want to keep the empathy brief you then want to take it as an opportunity to say, hey, what do you want to do about that? And really put it on them. And you'll probably get some version of, I don't know, or maybe if you're in my house and I roll. And usually at that point, you know, they're not that interested anymore. (laughs) They're like, I didn't mean to get into the problem solving. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, that's not what I'm really interested in. I just like wanted some, some sympathy or whatever it is. Is there a certain point at which I should call a parent or the school if a child is being mean to my child or leaving them out? Yeah. You know, and and let me just add to that, that I think this might be an opportunity for you to speak about distinguishing between 
the normal wear and tear of hurt feelings and life as a person. And when something is, when a child is in over their head. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've had this situation in my life with my daughter and as somebody who considers herself pretty invested in my daughter being independent in her relationships, uh-huh. it took a lot for me to pick up the phone and text another parent. Some degree of friend drama is an opportunity for your child to learn. You really want to look at their friendship challenges almost with the same value that you are looking at their friendship highs because friendship is a mixed bag. And our job as parents is to give our kids the tools, not just to like be best friends with somebody, but to manage the times when their friends let them down. So your job as a parent is to really let your child be at their growing edge, meaning at the places where they are sometimes uncomfortable. And that's why we encourage them to role play. We encourage them to talk to the child themselves and confront and navigate problems on their own. And you know in your gut as a parent when your child is way beyond their comfort zone. No kid, no human being can take a leap if they are in a fight or flight space. And you can see when your kid is depleted and when your kid just doesn't have the resources to dig deep and do the thing, right? Deal with the drama, confront the friend. And that's the point at which you intervene, but not before then. And, and I think a lot of parents, unfortunately, prematurely get involved and they short circuit that process of learning. But when you do get involved, here's what I would recommend when you do contact a parent. The first thing is that you don't do it when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, <laughs> because that is when you will likely say or write things that ultimately are not going to resolve the issue in your favor. So this is not you kind of reading the riot act to another parent. In contrast, what I would say is that you start off by saying something like, I know there are two sides to every story. I realize that I have my child's perspective only. And I would really like to know if, you know, what, what yours is. And next step very specifically describe the actions that have happened. Never weigh in on another child's character, the parenting they have received. I mean, unless you just want to really have a disaster on your hands. Instead, rather focus on, this is what my child says happened. This action occurred at the hands of this other child. I would say to the parent, I would really like to partner with you on this. And, you know, can we talk? That's basically what I would say. You don't want to make accusations. You don't want to make assumptions. You know, it is really hard because we bend in the, there are different personality types, of course, but some parents bend and you know who you are. You bend in the direction of assuming your kid was the one who did the wrong or you're the parent who's like, there is no way my kid did that. Zero chance. I believe any of this stuff and it is what it is. And very rarely is it either of those things, but it's important to know your style so that you can challenge yourself to be open to other possibilities. Yeah. I think it's just really important to know if you're being triggered too. Like if you're feeling yes, upset, you have to pay attention to your body. 
right? Like, yeah. do you feel pressure in your head? Are you clenching your fist? Do you feel like you want to cry? Let your body signal to you that you are triggered so that you're not acting in that moment. And if you're really wanting to act, I would call a friend, like call your lifeline person and just say, here's what I'm thinking about doing or saying and get some feedback. It just does not behoove you to, you know, pull the trigger really quickly on a response. Ultimately, this is not about you discharging your feelings. It is about making sure your child is set up to succeed socially. Keep your child at the center of your strategy. Keep your child at the center of your strategy. Deep thoughts. Yeah. I love your deep thoughts. If my child is drawn to another child who is behaving in ways I don't approve of, how do I influence them to back away because I don't want them near a particular behavior? Oh man, that's so hard. So hard. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm just kidding. Are you going to (laughs) pass? It's a great question. Look, I don't think I have an easy answer for that one, but here's what I will say. The challenge of parenting is always the progressive separation that your child is making from you. And part of that separation means they will make choices about people they want to be with and things they want to do that we will not approve of and that will make us uncomfortable. There is no cut and dried response. You cannot lock your child in a cage. And so I think understanding that as your baseline, as painful and as frustrating as that can be, is a really important place from which to proceed. So knowing that, knowing that to some extent you don't have control, to some extent this is a developmental process that you are a part of, what I would then say is to my child, when they are not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? in a difficult moment. You you never want to confront your kid in those situations because that's not going to go your way. And I might even play it pretty casually at first and just say, hey, I noticed this person doing this thing, right? You know, I noticed they said this thing or I saw something on your phone show up and I felt kind of uncomfortable. What did you think of it? Always ask a question. Like it doesn't cost you anything If anything, it buys you a little time and it makes your child feel like you're listening and curious and respecting them as opposed to like, I saw this thing and it was so bad and this person is garbage. Like, again, just not going to go your way. So lead with curiosity, allow your child to weigh in, see if it's registered for them as something that makes them uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because you may be surprised. And then you have the opportunity to say, listen, I know you really like this person. I really don't like this behavior. I know that this person has a lot of good qualities, if that's true. And let's assume that maybe it's to some extent true. I don't like this behavior and makes me uncomfortable. And then you've got to sub kind of put in there what it is you want to say. You know, I don't want you to spend uh, time with them in this way, or, you know, how I, I would feel more comfortable if, you know, you were not visiting X website. I don't, I don't know what the behavior is. Right. Um, but what I'm saying here is that you distinguish between the person and the behavior and you do not alienate your child by categorically condemning their friend. Cause that's just a great way to get your friend to stop talking. Uh, sorry, your daughter or your son to stop talking to you. That's right. The goal 
in fact, is to keep curious and open enough that they keep telling you things because this is ideally an ongoing conversation about life and relationships and friendships. And the minute they feel like you're not going to be receptive, it's probably going to turn into, you're right, just covert behavior and covert relationships. Yeah. Like there are very few circumstances. There are very few circumstances where you want to come down like a ton of bricks, like when they hit somebody or when they say something just patently offensive. Sure. But when they are in a relationship with someone that you find problematic, you've got to maintain a little bit of balance there because it's only going to drive your child away. And that probability gets bigger and bigger the older they get. So being black and white about people, about behavior will not serve you. And by black and white, I mean, this is good and this is bad or this is all good and this is all bad. It's just going to always be more complicated with people and relationships. That will be true in your own life and it's true in your child's life. So show them that respect. You are not endorsing a person in your child's life who has been difficult or with whom you disagree by calling out their good qualities. That doesn't mean you're saying what they did was great. You're just saying, I can see that there are really important things about this person that you care about. I can see that. And your child will feel so much more respected than if you're like, this person sucks and I don't want them in your life anymore. Since I know you have a stash, a box of questions that have come from gazillions of young people direct from their mouths and you are sitting there with them, might you pick a few to answer right here? Because someone's going to have a child with this very question and then they would benefit from your answer or they might copy your answer and use it when they are speaking with their kids. Okay, sure. Absolutely. I would love to. Um, These are questions from middle school age-ish. Okay. Okay. So here's one. I have a friend who isn't always the nicest person to me. I don't know how to get her to like me. Do you? So here's an interesting question. And of course, quite sad. So the first thing that jumps out at me is that here's somebody describing a friend who isn't the nicest person to me. And this reminds me of the way that it's really easy to sometimes overlook our friends being mean to us because we think, oh, they're my friend. But the truth is you could have a friend who is actually bullying you. Like you could have, just because someone's a friend doesn't mean that they might not also hurt you. And it's it's super important not to make excuses for somebody just because you say that they're your friend. And, you know, most kids know what I'm talking about in terms of friends who can be really mean. So, you know, what I would say is a friend is someone who's nice to you 24 seven, who isn't only like a part-time friend person, like, like a true friend is, is going to be nice to you when you're alone and nice to you when a person's around. Um, they're going to be nice to you at school and they're going to be nice to you when they see you outside of school. So when this person says, I have a friend who isn't always the nicest person to me, how do I get her to like me? My feeling is I don't want you to get someone to like you who already isn't so nice to you. And this person doesn't seem like a healthy, safe friend. 
And then I would be like, well, why, why do you want to be friends with somebody who isn't being nice to you? And probably they would say, because they're friends with some other friends of mine. Yeah. That's really hard, right? It's really hard when you're in a group of friends and you don't have a good situation with one of them. And that's, it's tricky, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you then have to try to get them to be your friend. It might just mean that you're going to have to navigate the challenge of like being closer to some people and sort of trying to avoid that person that you're not having a good vibe with. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. So that's one question. Anything to add, Dr. Aliza? I think there's a real skill to learning how to identify those those quote unquote friends who are in your group, but who really don't make you feel good and to identify and then figure out a way to not make it a thing, but just be just detached, polite so that it's not a thing, but you're just not, you're not invested in that person. And that takes a lifetime to be able to do, but it's such an important practice because it's going to happen a lot. And you can't always, to your point, just flat out reject someone because it messes with your ecosystem. It's in your whole, you know, that whole world that you're living in. So I think that that's just something to practice and something to give permission to our kids to practice. Yeah, absolutely. Not everything has to be an, a confrontation and a decision and an, and a thing. It can be a practice to let go of wanting to even give your space and time and energy to that. Yep. That's all. Okay. Next question. I know I have bullied people in the past. How do I show them I have changed and how do I get my friends back? So I love this question because it's so rare that even in an anonymous format, a kid will own up to the fact that they have been the mean person. Yeah. So it's really special when you get a question like that. So I think, first of all, as I said, it's, it's really brave. It's really brave to admit that you have acted in a way that you feel sorry about. Lots of people can't do that. So I give so much credit to any kid who's willing to look at themselves and say, I need to make a change. That, that in and of itself gets a huge gold star for me. And to me, it's a great sign that like, you're going to become the friend that you want to become. That's a huge first step. It's just owning it because kids deny stuff so much. Like one of the things that kids say to me is how much they hate it when people deny what they do, right? Friends are constantly saying like, that didn't happen. I didn't do that. So owning up is huge. How do you show friends that you have changed? Well, you can do it in a couple of ways. One is by writing an apology letter and a healthy apology would make sure that you talked about the things that you did. So you are really clear about the mistakes that you made. It contains something about the kind of friend you want to be or not doing again what you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And of course, it would entail you saying you're sorry. Um, And so writing a letter, I think, can be really powerful. The second thing I think you do is you change your behavior. And you show through your actions that you've changed. It's not going to be an overnight process. That's the important thing to keep in mind because sometimes it takes people a while to be convinced that you really mean it, that you really are different. They also have to heal. I've met lots of kids who are like, well, I apologize. So why are they still mad at me? And it's like, well, an apology is not a band-aid. It's not like 
doesn't, or it's not like an eraser. It doesn't, you know, doesn't make everything go away. doesn't immediately heal what has happened. It's just a beginning. It's a first step. And sometimes it helps to think of it as like a wound that needs to sometimes scab. And then the scab has to fall off and sorry to be like explicit, but like that resembles more for people, the process of getting over a tough situation with a friend than like, Hey, I'm sorry. Okay. I want to go hang out. Um, And I think that's something kids need to understand because I think when they're younger, I'm sorry is used as this very quick, like, okay, I'm sorry. I said, I was sorry. Poof. Let's now resume programming as it was. And of course, as you get older, um, apologies, as I mentioned, are, are kind of first steps. Wonderful. You can add in an apology at the end of an apology, always your plans for the future to, to show, to name your plan out loud, uh, to help that other person feel better and ask. You can also ask, is there something that I can do to help you feel more comfortable with me? Can we have one more? Uh, let's do one more. Sure. How do I tell my friend she's hurting my feelings? Because I don't think she knows she is. Great. So it takes so much courage to tell your friend how you feel. And I think it's important to look at it as like a skill you're learning. Like if you play basketball or soccer or a sport, or you play an instrument or you like art, all of those things require practice to get better at them. And the same thing is true of telling people how we feel, especially when we have a problem with them. So it's important to understand that you may not do it perfectly and that you're learning something that you're going to be doing throughout your life. So if you've never told a friend that they've been hurting your feelings, just imagine the first time you practiced or tried something that you're really good at now. Imagine what you were like the first time you tried it, like you had to get better and better at it. And so try to make sure your expectations of yourself are pretty reasonable and that you're not expecting yourself to be like, like say everything perfectly the first time. So that's the first thing is kind of have like a a practice mindset, um, like a, like a beginner's mindset. And then I think this is what I would say, try to focus on what the friend has done to hurt your feelings and really describe their behavior instead of talking about who they are. So instead of saying, Aliza, you were really mean to me yesterday when you, you know, ignored me when I was talking about something. I might say, Aliza, yesterday I tried to bring up the fact that I really like this new show and you didn't, you didn't, you ignored me and you kind of, and you interrupted me and ignored me. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking specifically about your behavior and not who I am as a person. Yeah. And I'm not making any labeling you in any way. And the other thing I would do is I would say, listen, I really care about you, Aliza. It's our friendship's super important to me. And I want to tell you about something that was hard for me. So it's really three steps, actually. Start with like why you care about Aliza. I really care about Aliza. I really care about you. I want to be friends with you. Our friendship is important. Describe the behavior. Like you ignored me yesterday. You spoke over me when I was trying to talk about a show. And then ask for what you need. And I will tell you what I notice when I teach young people, actually all people how to ask for what they need. They're not very specific. So you don't want to say to somebody like, hey, can you be nice to me? Uh, Because they don't really know what that means. It's kind of like if you went to a restaurant and you sat down and the server came and handed you a menu and said, you know, what do you have? And you were like, I'm hungry. You're not going to say I'm hungry to a server in a restaurant. You're going to say, I want two eggs sunny side up with a side of toast. Mm -hmm. So when you ask for what you need from a friend, you have to be really specific. 
So instead of like, I need you to be nicer to me, you might say, could you please not ignore me when we're in a group? So that your friend knows exactly what you need from them in order for you to feel differently about your what's going on. So those are the three steps. My last piece of advice for this person is you got to practice. You really do. Just like you practice a sport, just like you practice um, a musical instrument, you have to practice telling people how you feel. And I do it. I'm a hundred years old and I still do it before I have to have a tough conversation. I talk in front of the mirror. I talk to my dog. It's true. I do. Dogs are great listeners. You may not know that, but they are. And um, yeah, that's what I do. And it really makes a difference when I finally go out and do it. Rachel Simmons, I so love having you on and I hope you'll come back. And I think we should do some follow-up questions on IG Live because there's just endless. Yeah. It's really nice to hear you talking. Sorry, say that. I interrupted you. Yeah, Aliza, stop interrupting me. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, if you want to hear more friendship questions asked, tell Dr. Aliza and me and we'll come on Instagram Live and answer your kids' friendship questions. I would be so happy to do that.